Welcome to the In the Limelight podcast. I'm your host, Clarissa Bird, and every week I bring you great information from fabulous people that I get to meet all over the world. I interview public figures, influencers, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, millionaires, and moguls that share their know-how, tipping points, pivotal moments, and life lessons. I promise you educative, empowering, and entertaining conversations with entrepreneurs that have a social conscience. Don't forget to find me on social. You can find me pretty much everywhere. Facebook, it's Clarissa Burt Official. Also sign up for my newsletter at clarissaburt.com. That way you can keep abreast of the In the Limelight media as it's coming out. And you'll be getting my weekly newsletter along with the In the Limelight magazine every quarter. Check out inthelimelightmedia.com. Clarissa here. We are back in the limelight with yet another extraordinary entrepreneur. But before we get to that, I do want to remind you that these videos can be seen on Binge Networks, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, Google Play. We're also on Daily Motion and another uh, hundred smart TV apps. Uh, want to remind you too that the podcasts are an Apple Podcast, Google, we're over on Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, and Podbean. Do get over to pressreader.com. Uh, that is where you're going to be able to take a look at the digital magazine. It is in the limelight with Clarissa, intelligent media for the savvy entrepreneur. And there is lovely Lady Carnarvon who owns Downton Abbey. Yes, she and Lord are the owners of High Clear Castle. I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you and remind you about my collaboration with my news desk. Adore my news desk because I'm getting out. Uh, news releases and press releases about everything that's happening here in the limelight with Clarissa and um, uh, getting to journalists all over the world. Who doesn't want to do that, right? So do remember mynewsdesk.com. All right, without further ado, I'm going to bring on, you know, I've had a lot of, um, uh, of interviews uh, recently that are from corporate to entrepreneurship. A lot of people take the jump, make the jump, want to risk, don't really want to risk, but they take the risk and do it really successfully. When I saw our next guest's profile uh, on another platform, I definitely wanted to have her on her show because I wanted her to talk to us about how she did it and uh, and all the trials and tribulations and the grand successes. There she is, Amy Majuri. I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying that right. That was perfect. How Yay! are you? <laughs> we strive for, for perfection here, Amy. Well, glad that you're on the show. So successful are you. I love looking at your website. I love your story. Um, and the fact that you are now, uh, have your own show on HGTV is something really extraordinary. So take us back to, I was in corporate and I wanted out. Oh man, that feels like nine lives ago. Yeah, you know, my background's very traditional, just like most people out there. You know, I was born to go to school, get good grades, and then get a job that I was going to stay at for the next 20 years to collect my secure and stable paycheck until I, you know, retired. And um, for me, it took me 14 years until I realized, what am I doing? The one only job offer I got out of, out of undergrad, I worked at Dell Computers for 14 years, and then I was addicted to those home renovation shows, like a lot of people out there, specifically HGTV. Right. And I was like, you know what? I want to go flip a couple of houses, you know, just for fun until I figure out my next corporate move. Right. And um, I didn't know what I was doing. And yeah, there was there was a ton of fear, even as just this, a hobby, a side hustle, because the fear of the unknown, right? And so I've always believed in coaching and mentorship and aligning yourself with the people on the same mission as you. So even as a hobby, I started working with coaches and um, 
what was cool about that experience is I was still working my corporate job, um, never really planned to leave it. But because of the success I had as a result of working with coaches and mentors, this side hustle ended up taking off in just my first year. And I always say on accident, I ended up buying, renovating, and selling 10 properties in downtown Chicago while working a full-time job. And um, that's when I really woke up and I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is my passion. I love the transformation process. It was still scary to cut the cord, you know, because working for yourself, you never know when you're going to get that next check. Um, But I did it and I've never looked back. Yeah. There's one of the quotes that I love to say, and that's if you don't want to work a nine to five, be prepared to work 24 seven, right? So when you, <laughs> uh, what was the, what, what you think were the most challenging things about, apart from, you know, you know taking the leap and, uh, and, and facing the risk, when you decided to cut the cord, as you say, the new challenges and maybe frustrations of, of the new gig were what? That's a great question. The very first thing that comes to mind is, trying to convince my friends and family members that what I was doing was the right decision. I had so many naysayers, so many negativity, so much negativity. I lacked support from my inner circle. Um, And it was frustrating. And whether it was right or wrong, I used that negativity as my momentum to prove them wrong. I'm going to do it. I don't need your help. Um, So I just... I really focused on my why, right? Like why, why was I trying to do my own thing and get out of the rat race? So yeah. And um, I just stopped wasting my energy and breath on people who didn't support me. Over time, they learned and started to support me. So I would say start working with um, creating accountability groups, um, really know what, what's your why. Your why is going to be that driving, motivating force. Um, if your why is not emotional, um, then maybe we need to revisit your why and make sure that it is emotional so that it pushes you every day. Yeah. But, um, that was one of the biggest challenges. In addition, I'd gone into an industry I knew nothing about. So even though I had coaches and mentors, I'd never done real estate before. So yeah. the second most challenging thing was building my power team. Who's going to help me execute these daily tasks? Right. right. So, it's- so learning curve power team came after um, follow my gut, uh, you know, listen to my gut and follow my passion. You know, get rid of all the naysayers. Don't fall down that bad for sure. So that was, uh, that was, I think, you're probably your first um, um, leap of faith in yourself. Yeah. If you, be- if you guys want to do something and you believe in what you're doing and you know you have the discipline to execute and take action, just no. do it. It's right. right. The, the unknown is going to leave you with so much more regret than not trying. Right. And I would think it's just a blast. I love those shows too. And I would love to be, you know, if I always said if I had a second, you know, a, 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 like a side hustle or a second, you know, if I had to choose something else to do, it would definitely be real estate. It would be, it would be flipping. And I love, I would love to be like Joanna, you know. Oh, I love exactly, that. Right? Oh, right. I would, I know. The, insi- the interiors, I think, are something really, well, I digress, but a lot of fun also. So um, what's been your greatest strength in following, um, in, in, you know, follow, well, I want to get the piece of the, the greatest strength after you say two things. Number one is the power of networking and creating what you call your power team. And then the second part is finding the money. Yeah. So um, my greatest strength in behind both of those and then in general is it's not just networking, but it's creative networking. It's strategic networking. It's knowing how to talk to people, how to build rapport with them, how to build trust with them, how to get them to like you, 
um, which feeds the raising private money because all entrepreneurs out there, we all, regardless of the industry, we have to build a team and we have to know how to raise money. And so the foundation of that is networking. So how do we do that? Where do we find the right people? What do we say to them? How do we get them to commit to us? Right. What's the follow-up system? What do we do if, if a deal goes south and we lose yeah. their investment? How do we handle that tough time? Right. Um, we have a book you wrote about networking. It's called Networking with a Purpose. So answer for, for us, if you will, a couple of the questions that you just raised. How do you get somebody to trust you? How do you get somebody to want to invest with you? How do you how do you get someone to, to like you and know you and feel really comfortable with working uh, with you? Yeah, you know, I just got off of a coaching call and I was talking to some of my students and I said, you guys remember raising raising private money, regardless of the industry, it's rapport-based lending. So you want to have anywhere from as little as six touches, so six meetings, six conversations with right. the same individual, anywhere from six to 12 before they commit to you. So it's, it's getting organized, knowing what's your business plan? What are your credibility pieces? What do your numbers look like? Why would they invest with you? What's in it for them? Right. So all of these questions that you answer, each of them is a different credibility piece. So as you meet with these individuals at a 30-minute coffee talk here and there, introduce a new credibility piece. Yeah. Um, so for me in my business with my students, everyone has 12 credibility pieces. And so they can pick and choose which one they want to use for their six to 12 meetings. Yeah. Um, yeah. That seems, it said, you know, with you saying it, it sounds really easy, but you have raised over $20 million, which is no small feat. Um, it would seem a little bit difficult for anyone else to do. Why do you think it was... I'm going to say so simple for you. Why? What do you attribute that to? Yeah, we all have strengths and weaknesses, right? I've got plenty of weaknesses. I am very good at networking, knowing how to talk to people. That's why I teach what I teach. So right. when it comes to raising private money, if you've never done this before, it's okay. All you need are steps. You need a system to follow. You need scripts. So if you don't want to take the time to create it yourself, reach out to me. I can help you. I've created over 50, five, zero different scripts, templates, workbooks. Um, it's basically a done-for-you model to help you guys get out there and confidently, that's the key word, confidently raise private money. Because once you believe in who you are and what you're doing, and you understand that when you raise money, you're offering your investors an opportunity to invest. Once you believe that and you've made that mindset shift, you won't have a problem raising money. You just got to know where to find the people and what to say to them. And then that's where I come in. Right. Find the people. That's another really, I was just going to ask you, Anybody approach anybody? anybody. I mean, anybody. You're right now. You are a prospective private money lender. So I always tell, I always tell my students, for example, hey, the minute you leave your house, you're wearing that networking hat. Anybody you encounter, I don't care if it's your Uber driver, taxi, somebody sitting next to you on an airplane, cashier at the grocery store. Everybody is a prospective lender. It's how you position yourself. You're the one poised for aggressive growth, right? Mm -hmm. so one of the first things I give my students is what I call a 20-second power pitch. Um, so if you don't have a power pitch, create one. It's 20 seconds. Who are you and what do you do, right? So it's, been, it's more than that. So you want to be creative with what it sounds like so that right. when you share it, your audience wants to know more and ask you follow. Yeah. Every word in the power pitch, I think, needs to have really carry its weight yeah. those 20 seconds you can pack a lot into 20 seconds if you're using the proper verbiage so that's a really great point and you don't want to go any far more than that because when you start boring people and you get that glaze over you know look <laughs> you want to keep them engaged I, you know we talk about that a lot here because we talk about you know communication 
uh, and uh, and how to communicate with people and keep them alive and to keep them, you know, keep them engaged with you, uh, which is another really, really great point. Um, what do you think your favorite part in all of this has been or your favorite part of entrepreneurship? Yeah, I mean, so my favorite part of entrepreneurship is it's got its highs and lows, you know, and yeah, it's great when the money is good and you're transforming these amazing homes, homeowners are happy. And then, you know, it's frustrating when people aren't happy or you're taking losses, but I still wouldn't trade it for the world. I love the managing my own time, my own freedom. Um, I always say, you know, I've had the ability because of my ability to raise capital, I've really been able to create my own lifestyle by design. What I mean by that is I, I have the privilege now to do what I want, when I want, with whomever I want. I don't have to ever worry about where's the next paycheck coming in from because I've made the right investments out of the capital that I have raised. Right. Um, you know, I love that. What I love about, I love the transformation process. I love being able to look at my students, have success in three weeks and see how that's changed their lives, see them leave their corporate jobs, see them pursue real estate full time. Sure. Um, so it's, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I've had tough yeah. times too, you know. So, so talk to us about the approach with HDTV. That must have been one heck of a day when they said, okay, we're moving forward with the show. Yeah, I talk about that in my book. I still have the email in the book from the producer. Um, I auditioned for that 11 times, I think. Um, but it's crazy because I was hiring somebody for my real estate business and she, it was funny because she was like this 21 year old, um, like virtual assistant asking me what my goals were. And I was like, Oh, I admire you for that. Cause I'm here interviewing you. And I told her, I never told anyone. I said, Hey, my long-term goal is to get my own TV show. And, um, she said, Oh, well, my mom knows a producer at HGTV. Uh, would you like an introduction? And I was like, Oh, no, thanks. Because it was, her. <laughs> I was like, I said, no, thank you, because she was a producer for House Hunters. I was like, I don't want to be on House Hunters. I want you know, my own show. Two days later, I called this girl back, and I was like, yes, I'll take the introduction, because you never know what doors is going to open, right? Right. And so um, then, and I, you know, that it, it goes back to networking. So I built such a great relationship with this producer, even though she was a producer of House Hunters, that actually what we had done is we had changed the mold in the history of House Hunters, where they brought me on. We did a four-part series where they follow my transition renovating multiple properties in downtown Chicago where they follow me out of corporate America into entrepreneurship. So it was pretty cool. They'd never done it before. We, we get into the before and afters mid construction. Um, but it never would have happened had I number one, not shared my goal with people and number two, known how to network and build trust with the producer from the show. Yeah. So what, tell us the name of the show. So it ended up being house hunters. Where are they now? So we just tweaked the story um, and it turned into a four part series, which if anybody's interested, you can catch it on my website, which is what you have on the screen. Right. On the ticker yeah. below. Absolutely. That must have been, uh, I'm going to go with a life changing moment for you because to be on, you know, to be on cable television like that, um, not only, you know, it really skyrockets your brand, uh, and gives you, you know, just that, uh, a whole different handle on what expertise truly means. That's what we talk about a lot here. And in the limelight because I'm a multimedia platform uh, and I cannot get, um, uh, I cannot stress enough the importance of press. Uh, so whether it's social media, whether it's traditional media uh, to uh, not be afraid. And I think that's another really, really, you know, really great point here is how many people would have been afraid to say my own show. Hell no, I could never do that. I, I'm, I, you know, 
the whole I'm not good enough thing, all the, you know, the other self-talk uh, about being, a, you know, to step into that place. I mean, was it a little scary for you too? You know, I, I love the camera. I'm not shy. I was shy growing up. I love being on stage. Um, but it's because I love what I do and I'm confident in what I do. So it's easy to talk about. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, none of this stuff was scripted. Um, and and those four episodes did lead into conversations about getting my own show. But here's what's so crazy is, as you can probably relate to Chris, Clarissa, it's a lot of work. And once I did those four episodes, I was like, I don't want it. I don't want my own show anymore. And I had the conversations and we talked about making a few changes and I was like, thank you guys, but I don't want to do it anymore. So Why was that? Why was that? Why? It, it was fun, but that would have been my job. And I loved it, but I didn't want to commit 70 hours a week to just having my own show anymore. I really loved the coaching. I wouldn't have had time for that. I really loved the flipping on my own and being more intimate and involved with my team every day. Right. right. It's not work for me. I enjoyed those things. Right. You're also doing a lot of public speaking. I know that you, yeah. uh, a lot of, you know, you're on a lot of stages Well, I'm, I'm sure assured most of them have been virtual recently, but as we start you know, opening back up, I know you really love speaking too. And, you know, educating. I think the big thing is not only, you know, your core business, but also educating and helping, as you've been saying, you know, coaching, helping others uh, learn how to do what you do. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, and I just didn't want to give that stuff up. So it was cool to like check mark the box. I did it. I had the ability to work with HGTV, which was amazing. I still talk to them, um, and yeah, it's great. It's great trust, a great credibility piece, and I can always go back to them, you know. And um, but I think I'm past that. I'm past that now. So all right. So okay, a couple of really quick questions. First of all, I want to let everybody remind everybody that you can find Amy. You can see the ticker at the bottom of the video here. You can find her also on Facebook at amy.majuri. You can also see, uh, find her on LinkedIn. Uh, she's got her Instagram as well, a same name. So social media, you can find her. You can find her over on her website. She's got a contact page there. Um, I do like to ask uh, people before they leave the show, uh, and you cannot say marriage, children, you know, those sorts of things, but what would you say that up until now has been your crowning moment? Oh man, you know, this is going to sound crazy and it normally gets me emotional. I hope I don't get emotional now. My crowning moment has to be 2017 when I persevered through the most difficult year of my entire life as I hold back the tears. Um, you know, so many of us talk about success and we don't talk about those failures. I do. I put them out there. I share the good, the bad, the in between. Right. I made a ton of money and I lost it all in 2017. Um, I guess you could say I got greedy. I bought too much too fast. I started to deviate from my standard process. And I'm very transparent. I lost $1.4 million. And this isn't business money. This is this was my money out of pocket. I had to liquidate assets. I had to liquidate my stock market, my retirement account, sell all my rental properties to pay back my investors. I had to put investors on payment plans. 2017 was the worst year of my life. It was also the year I got engaged. I had to plan a wedding. Um, and I had no interest in doing that because I spent every day of 2017 problem solving. But I'll tell you what, that year made me so much stronger. I would come home crying to my boyfriend at the time, now turned, turned husband. And he was like, you got this, like buckle down, figure it out. I could have filed for bankruptcy. Um, you know, legally, I didn't have to pay anyone back. They made an investment, but yeah, morally, but morally to do right. 
Um, and so Absolutely. that was my crowning moment though, was being able to figure it out, keeping every one of my investors um, on good terms. It, it, maybe I'm still on good terms with one of one of them is getting a little annoyed, you know, and I, and, and I, and I get that why he was frustrated, but yeah, um, that's a tough thing to do. So as you get out there and raise capital, make sure you understand how to nurture your network, how to, you know, take right. care of your investors. What the obligations truly are. Yeah. Make a decision. Are you going to go out of pocket? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because it's not always a rose garden. And there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of the ups and downs. As we know, it's a zigzag road to entrepreneurship. Uh, and some days you're up and some days you're not so up. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Thanks very much for that. Yeah. I loved having you on the show. I wish you continued, continued success. If there's any question that I didn't ask you that you would like to say something now, please do. Oh, thank you so much. You know, for those of you thinking about, you know, you're on walking a fine line, you're thinking about, you know, cutting the cord from your current job and pursuing entrepreneurship, regardless of what the industry is, just do it. You guys got this. You can do it. Lean on your coaches, lean on your mentors, create your own circle of trust, um, buckle down, create your goals, find your why, and you'll make it happen. Ah, I love that. And with that, everybody, I am going to give you appointment for next week. We do thank Amy Majori for being with us. I am going to give you, again, appointment for our next episode of In the Limelight. Until then, bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the In the Limelight podcast, intelligent media for the savvy entrepreneur. You can listen to this and all of my podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, and Inspired News Radio. You'll find all of my videos and the In the Limelight digital magazine on clarissabert.com. And don't forget to connect with me on social pretty much anywhere. Stay well until we meet again in the limelight.